Welcome, guys. I'm so excited uh, to be here tonight. I've I'm, I'm, uh, been studying and praying and, and getting into the Word. And, and for those of you guys that have been with us, um, we've been going through this series called Living Victoriously. And it's kind of this call to action. And, and I think it's so great because we're studying Jesus giving this epic sermon, the best sermon that has ever been given by all standards, and he's just diving into what his expectations are for his people, for his followers, for his disciples. It's not just completely rooted in in salvation, right? It's actually, oh, there's an expectation of how we're supposed to live here on earth. Though we have our eyes on Jesus, though we have our eyes on heaven, it's actually a call to ethical living? And we've been talking about kingdom character. We've been talking about salt and light is what we went over last week. And we went through the Beatitudes and we went through virtue and and being meek and how those things can be so hard, but there's reward in which God gives us if we live in in accordance to his word. And, 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 And what was so shocking, what was so amazing about this sermon as he gets into it is that it's like completely opposite of the way in which the world worked then and even now. It's this upside down kingdom that Jesus is presenting and we're going to get further into that today. But, but what I want you guys to recognize is that this upside down kingdom in which he presented to the world at this point was actually right side up in creation. And it was sin that topped it over. It was sin that reversed it. And all the ideals in which we know and we call our flesh, that is a result of the sin, but that is not the result of the kingdom of which God intended. And what I'm saying is that God is calling us to live in such a way that we are getting back to kingdom basics. We're getting back to an understanding that we're called to this world, not to call just to survive in it. And, 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 and we're, we're, we're going, and, and the title of tonight's sermon is Actions and Words. Actions and Words. And we're actually going to skip a little bit ahead. Um, for those of you guys that were following with me last week, we, we ended on verse 16 in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be back there tonight, but we're actually going to jump. Ooh, there's a spider that just crawled out of my Bible. How cool. Dead. Okay, um, <laughs> we're going to be jumping to verse 33 tonight, but I'm going to give, oh yeah, handing out Bibles, Elijah, this beautiful man is handing out Bibles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. <laughs> no, the other Elijah. Um, if, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand, he'll give you one. Awesome, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 tonight, verses 22, but words and actions, actions and words. We recognize that both actions and words have the power to create and destroy. To create and destroy. James 3 goes into the untamable tongue. And it goes through, you, you can't tame the tongue because it is so wicked. The same tongue is, is the one that blesses God but also curses men. But we're talking about being an impact for the kingdom. We're talking about being an impact in our world but that means our, our country, our city, our state, our county, our, our, our little community that we have here. Your business, your classrooms, your family, your friends, your enemies. You have power to change the circumstance around you. And we're called to step in. We're called to engage And recognize that we're created in God's image, and it's not by accident that God spoke things into being. 
And there's power in our words, but there's power in our follow through. And there's having an understanding that, that it takes very little to destroy our environment around us. We can have a bad day and, and say something stupid. No, no, I'll go a step further. We can text something stupid and destroy relationships. Can I get an amen in here, right? Like I hate fighting over text because, man, it is so easy to say something stupid over text. Let me go a step further. It is so easy to say something over social media, right? Because we get to hide behind like, oh, this is our Instagram. Oh, it's a private profile, whatever. And I'm talking to myself here. I'm not just like throwing out daggers. What I'm saying is, is that you have the power to destroy your testimony to the people around you by a simple mistake. Just a little bit of poison in the well is going to destroy the whole thing. And there's power in what we say. And there's forgiveness and grace to be found, Right? But words, it's like toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out, you're not getting it back in. And recognize that, that tonight as we get into our, our, our series, we're getting into Matthew, we're getting further into the Sermon on the Mount, there is power what we say and do. Yes, grace covers a myriad of sins, all sins. But we don't keep sinning so that grace can what? Abound. We have a responsibility for our actions. We have a responsibility for our words. Very, very quickly, I'm going to get into the overview of, of what we're kind of going over um, in, in verses 17 through 32. But, but Jesus kind of gets into that he didn't come to do away with the law. He was, he was coming to actually fulfill the law and the actual heart of the law but he recognizes that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of that time were abusing the law for their own gain, for their own power. He did not come to destroy the word of God and just say, follow me and don't think about anything else. He says, I'm a fulfillment of the law. And he's getting to the heart of the law. And then he goes further in saying that I am after your heart. And let me show you for an understanding of what the law is. Because the heart of the law, and he goes on into murder, begins in the heart. If you say raka, if you call somebody an idiot while you're arguing with them when you're mad, it's just as bad as murder. That's a, that's a heavy concept, right? Just jumping straight into it. But he's just like, if you are going to fight with people and you're going to call them idiot, you're just as bad as killing someone. That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but this is these are Jesus' words. You want to get into adultery? It's not just about having sex outside of marriage. It's actually lusting after someone that is not your spouse. And that starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. And Jesus is getting after. He wants our heart. First and foremost. And Jesus says, what do you do if you cannot stop sinning? Cut off your hand. Poke out your eye. Figuratively. Do not do that. Please. But recognize this is how serious we have to take the war against our sin. Buckle up because we're going to get after it. We're going to get intentional about going after our sin. And it's not just the big sins, right? It's the sins of the mind. It's the sins of the heart. It's the sins that directly ties us to relationship with people. There's power in our words and there's power in our actions. I'm going to speak very shortly about this, but marriage is binding. You guys want a biblical marriage? 
You want a marriage that glorifies Jesus? Well, there's no divorce after marriage. And Jesus goes into the heart of God when it comes to marriage. The only divorce that God permits is when there's an affair. When there's a sexual affair outside of the marriage. But you know what I read as I'm talking and I'm praying to you guys about marriage and sex and thoughts and heart things and heart processes and getting into the nitty gritty. We're not, we're not, we're not drinking milk tonight, folks. We're eating solid food. If the only thing that God permits a divorce over is sex outside of marriage when you are married, how important is it to not have sex before marriage? And maybe, maybe, maybe I'm making some of you guys uncomfortable tonight, but there is power in sex. Because sex is not just physical. Sex is spiritual. Sex is emotional. And there is power in having sexual partners that are not your spouse. Both inside and outside of marriage. Before and after marriage. Sex is important inside the marriage with your spouse. But let me say, it's important to recognize that sex outside of marriage is not what God ordained. It's not what he intended. It's not just a physical thing. Talking to my friend that actually went through a divorce, and he got divorced very shortly after he got married, and he actually walked in on his spouse having sex with another person. She felt no remorse, And in the counseling sessions that followed that, her response, her justification was, well, it's just sex. You ever heard that before? It's just, I don't love that person. I love you, but it's just sex. It's just physical. It's just, you know, it's not just sex. Guys, there's a standard in which God laid down. God's into standards. God's into law, but God's into the heart of the law and having an understanding for you guys, for us, for all of us to have an understanding. Because guys, I failed on that regard. I had sex before I got married. And I wish it never happened. And I had to apologize to my fiance at that point because I knew that I'd sinned against her. And there had to be an exchange. There had to be a forgiveness. There had to be grace. I wish that never happened. And let me tell you tonight, if you've engaged in sex before your marriage, there is grace to be found. I'm not throwing out daggers. I'm not throwing out judgment. I'm just saying that God is a standard. And it's our responsibility to voice that standard. Amen? Because we're getting to the heart of Jesus. We're getting to what Jesus is after. So if you guys want to stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're not even in the sermon yet. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verses 33. We're going to be reading till the end of the chapter. See if we can get through it. Read it. We'll pray over it. We'll get into it. Verse 33. Again, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Maybe that'll ruffle some feathers tonight. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. 
But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever more than these is from the evil one. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Verse 43, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rains on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's our passage tonight. Let's pray over it. Gracious Father, um, we're pursuing your heart. We're pursuing what you would have for us, Lord, and, and, and recognize that we're not here by accident and recognize that we have a call to the world that you've put us in, specifically the place, the people, the time. And I pray that you would encourage us and that you would reveal yourself to us, that all of us would get closer in our proximity to you, Lord, that you would move my flesh out of the way and that you would speak openly and freely tonight, that you would minister to all of us, Lord, that you would encourage. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen this body, that you would deepen our understanding of your heart, and you would inspire us to take action for your kingdom. We love you and we praise you. And all these things we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. We're getting, we're getting into those passages that aren't so fun, right? We're getting into the scripture where it's like, oh, we, we actually have to, to do something. We actually have to live in a certain way. We actually have to, to be in community with people and it's uncomfortable. It's not just, well, I'm going to save up for the rest of my life, enjoy retirement, and hopefully I'll die in my bed and, and experience heaven. Like, that's a great, awesome, beautiful life. But don't just re- receive your ticket to heaven and go about your merry business, Right? The most amazing, beautiful, fulfilling thing that we can do on this earth as Christians is to be used by God in accordance to his purposes for however long he sees fit. Because guess what, guys? When we have the perspective of eternity in the kingdom, death is just the beginning. Our life is not finite. We are eternal beings. And what we're doing here in this life right now actually has effects on our eternity. So there is power in our words and there is power in our actions. But again, I said to you, you have heard to those of old, you should not swear falsely. 
We're getting into this idea that our words and our declarations and our business deals. You guys ever heard that all a man has is his word? That distinction? It's like that old cowboy code. You, you look someone in the eye and they shake their hand, that's a deal. You don't need the contract. You don't need to, to protect yourself from getting sued. It's just if you give your word to somebody that is a deal is a deal, it is true. And if you break that, you are no man. You are no woman. You have no character. Your word, your promise means nothing. Imagine if as Christians we lived in such a way where, where when we agreed to do something or be somewhere or say something or encourage someone, like when we agreed to do something that we would actually follow through with it. Not just bail on a situation because it, it's uncomfortable or it's inconvenient you'd rather just stay in bed and watch Netflix for the rest of the night. You agreed to go somewhere or you agreed to do, you know what I mean? Like if you agreed to do something and you just bail, doesn't that kind of hurt if you're on the opposite end of that? Like, if you're expecting someone to come over and, and, and they just bail, like, doesn't, that kind of hurts. <laughs> like, oh, that kind of tarnishes the friendship or the relationship or, like, and we're not even just talking about enemies in the, the, the outside world. We're even talking about our friends and our families and our close, like, when, when, when you don't honor your word, oh, I don't know if I can trust you. And it starts just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at your testament. Well, you, you profess Jesus but you don't really speak in truth because your words have no weight. Your, wor your words mean nothing. But the reality is that your words do have something and they have the ability to destroy. And your call as you're in, in classroom settings and in a work setting, in a grocery store, in a coffee shop, recognize that your words have power to destroy or create community. If it's a toxic environment, don't we want to just get out of it? You're called to work in a place where people are just terrible and visceral and gossipy. Is that even a word, gossipy? I'm going to use it. Gossipy and, and dirty and Like, you don't want to be a part of that. You're like, Lord, take me out of this environment. But what if we had the flip view and the recognition, oh, I'm a Christian, Maybe God called me to this environment to heal it. Maybe God called me to this environment to change it. Maybe you're supposed to be an answer to your own prayer. You ever thought about that? That there is power in our actions, there's power, but why? What we say and do. We've been talking about kingdom character. This is an element of kingdom character. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let us be men and women of character that just like, if you're not going to show up, don't agree to it. If you're not going to pay for something, don't say that you will. Has it ever been there? I let a friend borrow my truck when I was living in Nashville. <laughs> Backed up into a pole, took out my entire side panel. It's, this truck's like my baby. Like, I've had it for years, and, and he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I promise I pay you back. I promise we'll get it fixed. I don't have, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. Two weeks later, he left town and never came back to Nashville. I never heard from him again. 
but he was a believer. He loved Jesus. What does that do to your friendship? What does that do to your relationship? I can't trust that person. You don't want to have a relationship with that person, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, if you just told me, dude, I can't, I can't pay for this right now. I'm so sorry that this happened. I'd be like, fine, dude. It's okay. We'll figure it out, and, and, and I'll pay for it, and, and just don't ever drive my truck again, but I love you. You know what I mean? Like, there's still a relationship to be had, even if an offense has occurred. But when you agree to something and then you just don't do it, oh, that just stings. That just stings. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. And our promises be our promises. And our oaths be our oaths. Going back to marriage, if it is your oath to spend the rest of your life with that person, let it be the rest of that, your life with that person. Amen? I grew up in a broken home. Divorce is devastating. It is painful and it is visceral and it destroys your concept of trust. But recognize that wasn't God's intention and he can still restore and there's still grace to be found. And again, I'm not slinging daggers out tonight, but recognize it was not God's plan. But oaths, our words, our covenants, our promises are important. What we say is important, specifically as believers, because we're telling people about eternity. We're telling people about their salvation. We want them to take it seriously when we say, you're going to hell. I do not want you to go to hell. I, I, I want you to recognize that there is sin, and there is truth and goodness. And there's a way in which God intended it, and there's a way in which he didn't. What does that matter if you are not a person of virtue? What does that matter? Like, like outside looking in, you're talking to someone that doesn't follow Jesus. You're not a man or woman of character. Your words don't have weight. Now, God can still pursue that person despite our failure because he is faithful even when we're not. But recognize there's power in our testimony of our words and the way in which we follow through, the way in which we agree to things, the way in which we promise. And this is a call to higher living because, guys, I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at me because I know I failed in this regard too. Maybe even to some of you. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Oh, yeah, I'll respond. And I just totally flop it. But I want to get better in my pursuit of Jesus and the way in which I live in this world. This one is hard for me. As an Italian man, <laughs> I'm Scottish and Italian, hotheads all around. But recognize, oh, you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other to him also. Heck no. <laughs> right? Does anyone agree? Like, if someone's slapping me across the face, I'm not going to give them my other cheek. Right? And thank God this was figurative. Thank God culturally we recognize that this was a comment about an insult. You get a backhanded slap verbally in Jewish culture. What they're talking about is when someone insults you. When someone insults you, says something visceral about you. It's not a physical attack, right? This is not alluding to a physical attack. If someone comes to you with a baseball bat, 
clocks you upside the head. Don't go, <laughs> this one too. Like that's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that when people viscerally attack you and condemn you and, and speak venom at you, take it. Ooh. Mm-mm. Tell you what, I do not want to just take it. Like, I'm, I'm a defender. Like, if, if, if someone else is yelling at someone else, like, I'm stepping in. My wife is the same. We're, we're the same in that regard. We're stepping in. We're saying, hey, don't talk to him that way. Like, there could be complete strangers. We're stepping in the gap. But if they're, they're spitting fire at us and they're coming after our character and our family, you better believe that it takes everything in me not to retaliate. <laughs> it takes everything in me to not shrink them down to a non-existent being with my words. <laughs> I have the power to do that. But recognize that Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. Practicing restraint. And that even means on social media. When someone makes fun of your reel. Or your post. Or your story. And you clap back. F you bro. You don't know me. Right? Like, and we take it personal. Or we, we say like a really meaningful post and someone's like, idiot, you suck, <laughs> right? We put our heart out there and someone just like dashes it. Like, doesn't it take every, like, like maybe, maybe not on the post, but you're DMing them, right? And you just go after them. You're cutting them down. Look at your stupid profile. Only, you only have a hundred followers. What an idiot. Like, you know, you just want to get into it with somebody. But God is calling us to a higher standard. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's water off a duck's back. It should just roll off of us. And we're operating in the kingdom standard and kingdom character. We're, we're, we're investing in our community, in our friend group, in our, in our coffee shop, in our grocery store, and we're loving on people. Sometimes people are going to get mad and offended and spit in our face. You know who's amazing at this? This whole, this is a virtue of meekness, right? Strength under control. This is turning the other cheek and saying, I don't care what you say. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to respect you. I'm still going to serve you. This is Pastor Micah Stevens, in a nutshell. Like, just, just, just has the ability to just take it like a champ. Like, it, like, I've never seen someone be able to just, like, get slapped across the face verbally and just, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, and then just speak truth. I'll tell, I'll tell you a little story. So for those of you guys that have been coming on Sundays, there's a unique woman standing on our corner with a bullhorn, shouting profanities and telling us that we are a terrible church. And just getting into it, she's very disgruntled about what is happening in Israel. And she's pro-Hamas and all of these things. And, just, just, and, and, and I understand that it's a heated situation. But recognize, I was, I was driving by in the golf cart one day with Dewey. And... And it, it wasn't the Israel thing. It wasn't the, 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 the church thing. You guys are an evil church, a wicked church. God, destroy your church. It wasn't that. He started coming after not only Pastor Rob, saying he's a wicked man, but he started coming after Micah. And he just started, just, just, she just started saying visceral things. I just, boop, turned around. What'd you say? <laughs> Excuse, no one, and, and just, and candidly, guys, I, I, I mocked her. And I just said, no one cares what you're saying. Please leave us alone. God bless you. Right? And I'm just, I'm just like, ah. And that was the nicest way I could say it. Just, just leave. And she has a bullhorn outside of the kid's playground. And she's just 
going after it, right? But the thing is, when I went back inside and I told the green room and our staff what had happened, Pastor Micah goes out, pulls up a chair, and talks with her for over an hour between services. Just, just trying to find common ground, just trying to speak into her. Pastor Mike is also Jewish, if you didn't know that, and, he, and she's, he's speaking directly to her because he cares about her and just takes it, takes it, takes it. I do not have that patience. I aspire to have that patience, but I do not have it. And I admire Micah for that. And I think it is a godly quality that he has, which by that standard qualifies him to be head pastor of this church. He's the man for the job. And I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do in and through him. But it's wrong to think that Jesus never meant resist evil. This is a visceral attack. This is something against your character, your stature, whatever it is, and someone just mocking you, making fun of you, right? Making fun of your family, your mom, whatever. But it doesn't mean evil should not be resisted. Because Jesus resisted evil. Jesus flipped tables in the temple when he had saw what the people did to his father's house. And he was still called perfect and righteous. And even in society, there's a place for punishment. There's a place for order, right? If someone does a nefarious thing unto you or your family or breaks in or shoots you or stabs you or whatever it is, robs you at gunpoint, like, like there's retribution in society for that. He's not saying, hey, sh you got shot in the arm. Hey, shoot my other arm. Like that's not what he's saying, right? And they should be held accountable for their actions. This is a heart issue. This is a human issue. This is a social issue. And it ties us directly to our testimony. The way in which we respond to the world and its actions is directly linked to our testimony and our ownership, who we belong to. Do we respond like everyone else does in this world? Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Or do we respond like Jesus? Are we quick to listen, slow to speak? slow to get angry because it's not just about not saying anything it's about not getting angry not retaliating not planning something <laughs> recognizing that every single person is an opportunity people are not the enemy they're the opportunity that's hard isn't it isn't that hard to actually live out? You're in a work environment. You hear somebody like gossiping about you, talking poorly about you. Don't you want to start gossiping about them? Talking poorly, <laughs> start defacing their character? Like that feels good, doesn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm just being candid here. Like it feels good when you start gossiping back. 
Because it's, it's like you're justified in it. Like in my flesh, I'm saying that. I'm not saying that it's good to do that. What I'm saying that in, in your flesh, as you're operating and you're not practicing restraint like Jesus called us to, it feels good in that moment. And that is the flesh that we are rebelling and fighting against, guys. That is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that sin is not fun or does not feel good in the moment because it does. It has satisfaction, especially when that comes through justification of someone else's actions. Just because you are justified does not qualify it for retribution. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, that's hard. And he goes a step further. If anyone wants to sue you, take away your tunic. Let him have your cloak also. What? <laughs> you want to take my car? You want me to give them my house? I don't get this. <laughs> Recognize we live in an environment where people want things of us that they don't deserve. Jesus says, give them no excuse. Give them no excuse. You love them, you give to them, you be generous to them so that they can never say that that person was X, Y, and Z. And that is an element and a lesson I've learned from our current head pastor, which is Pastor Rob. The most generous man I've ever met in my life. Specifically to the people that hate him. And he just gives and he gives and he gives they can never come back and say, well, he was stingy or no, 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 he, he didn't give me time. People try to sue you. When, when the Roman guard, and it goes on further, whoever compels you to go a mile, go with him too. This was a, a common practice with the Roman guard. He, they would just pluck people out of a crowd and they would just, hey, carry my, carry my stuff. And, and, and by Roman law, they were only allowed to, to carry it a mile. Right, which was super inconvenient. He's talking to a Jewish crowd here, right? People culturally understood what this meant because the Romans just did whatever they want to the society, right? So carry my stuff for a mile. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter what's going on. Carry my stuff because I said so. Shut up because I said so. And Jesus says, not only should you carry it the mile without complaining, without complaining. That's my additive, but that's the heart of it, right? Carry it too. Because the way in which we react directly links us to Jesus. Shouldn't we be generous people of character? Shouldn't we go above and beyond in every situation? If something is required of you, shouldn't you go above and beyond? You ever had a boss that asks you to come in early even when you've had like three days in a row of work and you're like, we're really short-staffed? I've been there, and I'm like, screw you, bro. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Don't even respond to the text message, right? And I'm saying, like, this is just a visceral boss that you have no respect for and just treats everyone terribly. Well, in that moment, baby, Jesus would be like, be that person that goes in early. Be that person that, that stands out because you qualify and quantify yourself as a Christian. You want that light to shine, before all men. You want to be a city on a hill. You want to be salt that leads someone to their salvation. You go above and beyond when it's not expected of you. 
And that's even within the confinements of, of, of work or, 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 or in, when we're in school or whatever the situation may be, what's expected. Don't just do the bare minimum. Go above and beyond to serve people, even when they don't deserve it. You ever serve somebody that just is mean and hates everyone? And everyone talks about that person? You decide to serve them? It's like a crack in the armor. <laughs> it's like they just have all these layers. People are like onions. Hello. And, and you recognize that you're just getting through a layer after a layer. It was a Shrek reference. Come on, guys. <laughs> but recognize you're just going after their heart, and you're going after their layer, and you're just, you're just trying to just go in and say, Lord, use me as you see fit, and you're just going after people even when they don't deserve it. Because for some of us, maybe that weren't saved early in our childhood, I know that someone else came after us and the Lord used someone else to come after us. And sometimes it took something that was just something that stood out, something that ministered to your heart, something that you noticed was different about that person that made you question, why are you different? Yeah, I know the church people, why, why are you different? I belong to Jesus. And this is what Jesus called me to do, to serve others, even when it's uncomfortable and even when it's inconvenient, even when they have no justification of asking me to do something for them. You show up anyways. Mind-blowing concept, right? But it's in those moments, it's in those moments that relationship is formed. Barriers can be brought down. And even if it's hard ground and we're just chucking seeds, right? The parable of the seeds, we're just chucking seeds. The growth and the watering is not our responsibility. We're just chucking seeds. I don't care how hard this brick wall is. I'm, God, call me to chuck seeds, man. <laughs> I'm just going to keep chucking seeds. Maybe someone else is a wrecking ball. Maybe someone else is a pickaxe. Maybe some, and, and that's how God works, Right? a community of believers to go after one person that's, that is getting loved on from all sides. You're wearing them out for the kingdom until finally a seed gets through so that growth can happen, that that person can see Jesus for the first time, truly, authentically, genuinely. Does it matter who got through? Does it matter what crack was born? No, it doesn't matter. It just matters that there was a whole plethora of seeds getting thrown in their face. <laughs> and that's our responsibility to keep throwing seeds. I don't care how impossible. I don't care how thick the concrete is, right, of the person that I'm going after. It could be a mile deep. <laughs> Chuck them. <laughs> Serve them. Love them, encourage them, pray for them. God can do amazing things, amen? God can do amazing things. And there's nothing more beautiful or fulfilling than being used by God in accordance to his purposes. That is what we're called to do. That is what we're called to do. And it's against our nature, our sin nature, our human nature. I don't want to do that. And there's power in our actions. 
This is how we change our environment. Maybe you have a visceral, hurtful family that you don't even want to be around. I got one of those. <laughs> At least half of them anyways. Yet God calls us to love them and serve them and pray for them. Maybe you can't even physically be around them. Maybe there's something getting in the way of that, but can you pray for them? Oh, nope, I don't even want to do that. Mm -mm. <laughs> that person's wicked. They've done some terrible things. And Jesus says, so have you. <laughs> and someone pray for you. I'm after change. I hope you are too. Verse 43, you have heard it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your, those who hate you. I pray for those who spitefully use you. I'm sorry, I totally butchered that. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? It's easy to have community, to be friends, to talk to people that you get along with, right? You kind of click with. You ever met those people who are just like instant best friends? <laughs> and you just do everything together? Easy, boys. And you recognize, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but you recognize it's not always that way. Right? And things can be uncomfortable, and, and you could be in a situation where you're like, I, I don't know what to say anymore. What do I do with my hands? Like, it's just uncomfortable, right? And maybe, maybe it's not even a church city. Maybe it's outside. Maybe it's just whatever the, the, the situation may be. But, but, but God calls us to those people. You recognize that? And not only the people that make you uncomfortable, but the people that actively try to destroy you. They talk about you. It spitefully use you. Oh, man. He says, love them. I don't want to love them. He says, bless them. I don't want to bless them. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If you struggle with serving them, if you struggle with blessing them, if you struggle with loving them, start with praying for them. Two-second prayer. God, do it. <laughs> mm -mm. God, save them. Show your love to them, not through me. And progressively, God does something in your heart. You start to develop compassion for them. You start to empathy, empathize with them. Actually feel sorry for their current condition, for the way in which they act to the rest of the world or directly to you. And God gives you a purpose in praying for them. You may never have the interaction with them again, or you might not have the circumstance to actually love them or serve them, but someone else will. 
There's power in prayer, guys, because there's power in our words, because our words reflect our heart. There's power in our actions, and there's power in our words. But it's against our nature. And God says, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Men that recently say that the modern church has stopped being wise as serpents and only knows how to be gentle as doves, which renders them to the JV League ineffective and no one cares about them. Sorry if I offend anybody that has been on JV before, but recognize everyone wants to get to varsity. You're called to the field, you're called to the front line, you're called to the varsity team, you're called to the big leagues. You guys remember my analogy about being a fan. You can't just be a fan, you actually are called to the field. Doesn't matter your circumstance, Jesus is calling you to the field. But we have to stand against evil. Even by loving our enemies, even by praying for those who spitefully use you, we still have a responsibility to the community that we're in. And this is the heart of this church, guys. As we're, we, we, we talk about the church being involved in, in, in politics and being involved in our, in our country, in our state, in our county, in our city, why do we do that? Because we're trying to push back evil. We're trying to hold out until Jesus comes back and we're trying to get people through the gate of the kingdom. As many as we can. But it takes action. Well, politics is dirty. Yeah, so is the church. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Yeah, so is the church. When truth is actually being teached. Talk about the Holocaust. And maybe you guys are burnt out about talking about the Holocaust. But it was a genocide, right? But one of the biggest mars on, on, on the church in the 20th century was the silence in Germany before the Holocaust. They did nothing. They abdicated their responsibility. You're tired of the Holocaust? Go through a different genocide. I don't care. The, the Kurdish genocide, Mao Zedong, the Congo, Myanmar. What's happening currently? Do you guys know that there's a current genocide happening right now in Myanmar? We support, I have a friend who is actively serving there. His name is David Eubanks. He leads the Free Burma Rangers. He's there day in and day out trying to help those people getting slaughtered by their government. What if the population, what if the church had the ability to prevent genocide? Would that be okay to be involved in politics at that point? Would that be okay to talk about it? I don't know. What, what is the standard, right? What is the line? The beautiful thing about our country, the beautiful thing about our church, and what God is doing, we recognize there is power in our words and power in our actions. Because if we don't stand up for what is right, we don't stand up for truth given by Scripture, who else will? You want to affect your environment, your culture, your community? But you don't want to talk about truth? You don't want to participate? 
You're irrelevant. You're on the JV team. Recognize everyone has different roles to play. I'm not condemning anyone for not understanding or not even wanting to be engaged at all. But I am trying to encourage you to do some research, to pray about it. Because we're not just called to politics, we're called to business. We're called to media. We're called to Hollywood. We're called to the things that affect the community at large, that affect culture, right? Shouldn't there be men and women of Christ that are, that are, that are, that are in banking <laughs> and, and, and in the schools teaching truth? How about, let's go a little bit smaller. How about in families? Shouldn't be, there be men and women in the household that are leading the next generation of Christians devotedly? Absolutely. Let's just start there. Start in your house. Expand from there. But recognize that we have a call, a responsibility to this world. And that's what I love about the Sermon on the Mount. Because it is called to a kingdom on earth. The expectation that we have a responsibility in our society around us. To be an ethical people. To be a people full of character. The people that are willing to do the hard things, the uncomfortable things. To speak out. Shouldn't we stand against the evil around us? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. How can I make a difference? Well, start by praying. Guys, I know it is hard in our age group, and I am quickly getting out of our age group of a young adult, but I understand it is hard to live in California. Not only is it expensive, but it is spiritually a very dark place. But if we keep leaving, it's just going to get darker. So you have to pray about whether or not you're called to this place or somewhere else. That's between you and God. I don't care. I I mean, I care where you go, but it's like, I'm not going to judge you for where you go. I dream about moving outside of the state all the time, <laughs> candidly. I'm there. I've lived outside of the state. There are better places, in my opinion. Yet, God has called me here. God has called me here. And to be able to discern his still small voice of what he wants you to do with your life, you have to spend time with him in prayer. You have to act upon his word. You have to develop a relationship with him. We talked about in the beginning of this year. You want to develop, you want to strengthen, you want to deepen your relationship with the Lord? Jesus lays it out. Praying, fasting, and giving. (laughs) And recognize those are all spiritual disciplines. You have a hard decision to make? You're trying to figure out what to do next? Pray about it. You want to get closer? You want to hear more from Jesus? Fast about it. And the giving is just a representation of where our heart belongs, right? If it's hard for us to give, it's hard for us to tithe, it's hard for us to, to be a part of our community. And granted, I get it. This is not prosperity gospel here. I'm not asking you to sell everything you own and give it to the church and you will be paid back tenfold. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that how hard is it for you to give your wages or your time to the kingdom? 
Because everything rusts. Everything, every, there, there's no U-Haul behind you going to your gravesite, bringing about all the things that you've collected over the years. Whatever you hold dear, your gaming system, your 70-inch TV, whatever it is. Laid bare in a tomb. The only thing that we leave behind is our legacy of who we were. And the only thing that matters, and I'll tell you right now, is whether or not we knew Jesus and what he did through us in this time. So this is a call to action and encouragement. This is not a judgment. This is not fire and brimstone. I'm just telling you guys that you have a call and a responsibility. You have a purpose. You were put here by design. Before God spoke it into existence, he knew your name. And there was a plan for you. You have not been forgotten. You have not been pushed aside. There is value in you. I'll prove it to you. God the Father sent his son to die for you. Even if you were the only person on earth, he would have still sent his, done to, sent his son to die for you. I'm dyslexic, I apologize. <laughs> Recognize there is purpose in what he is doing in and through you. There is purpose through what you're going through right now. There's a plan to the struggles you have. There is a plan for the sin that you're trying to overcome to reestablish relationships. And I'll ask the worship team to come back up recognize that God has a plan for your life in such a way that he wants to use you through your obedience. And the only way to interact with this world is by words and actions. You can have an effect on the environment that God has called you to. You can have effect in your classrooms, in your job, in your family, in your circles, and even the people that annoy the heck out of you. God can use you to affect someone else's eternity. What an honor that is. Don't take that lightly. God can do this without us but chooses to use us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The creator of the Lord and his creation doing what he designed them to do? You're called to the people around you. You're called to your family. You're called to your friends. You're called to the people that you hate. <laughs> we hate. <laughs> Things are gonna get worse, guys. There's a conglomerate of people that thinks the next genocide that's gonna happen in this world is to Christians. And that might be absolute truth. But we have to recognize that there is storms ahead that we can't control. But where does your allegiance lie? Is it with Jesus or is it with the world? Because there's no in between. So I encourage you guys to take an assessment of where you're at in your relationship with God.
Get to the meat and bones. Don't stay on the surface. Get into his scripture, get into relationship, get into an understanding that God wants to know you and he wants to be known. And when you do that, I promise you, there's nothing more fulfilling or satisfying than a touch from his presence. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for um, your love, Lord, and, and, and your compassion to give us encouragement, your, your compassion to, to call us to this world, Lord, and in and, 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 and such a way that is so hard for us to, to rebel against in our natural state, in our flesh, because we don't want to serve people. We don't, we don't want to pray for people. We don't want to bless people. We don't want to love people that hurt us because we know that words hurt. We know that actions hurt. We know that when we're lied about, when we're talked about, when we're gossiped about, when we're, when we're even hit physically, Lord, those things hurt. But there's grace to be found and a plan to be had and actions to be stepped in that you lay out before us. And I pray that you would give us wisdom to proceed in the people that hurt us the most because we recognize every enemy is an opportunity to be one to your kingdom. That is a call to arms. That is a call to grace. That is a call to humility. And it's a call to be more and more like you because that is what we're seeking after, to be more and more like you. So we ask that you would have your way in our lives, that your kingdom would come and our kingdom would go and your will would be done and our will would leave. We want what you would have for us, Lord. I pray a blessing over these people tonight. I pray for the people that maybe be in the place where they're the hard wall that you're after. Maybe, maybe you haven't pierced that wall yet, Lord. I pray for a piercing in the spirit tonight. That strong towers, that cages, that, that walls that have been built around hearts will be torn down, that you would be able to completely invest your spirit, your presence, your love into them and to remind them that you are desperately, desperately trying to know them and tell them that you love them and tell them that they have purpose. Father, we pray for those that don't know you genuinely tonight. I pray that there will be miracles. I pray that there will be strong towers that are torn down. We love you so much for the things that you're doing around us, Lord, the things that we know about and the things that we don't. We know that you are so faithful. You are so good. You are so righteous. And your ways are so much better than ours. We ask tonight that you have your way. And all these things we pray. Amen.